that um, as the kings were coming to bring Jesus gifts, actually Jesus is the one who had the gift for them and the gift for all of us. Well, as we continue to celebrate Christmas today, we do it through purification. Um, So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And as we get started, I was, I was reading in Job this week, and ironically, Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, the, the first book ever written, in Job 14, 14, there's a, there's a question, and the question is, if a man dies, will he live again? That's the question that mankind has been asking forever. Where do I go when I die? What, what happens when I die, right? What happens... Uh, to our bodies. Well, uh, that all depends on what happened when Jesus was born. You, you understand that when Jesus was born, the really the whole complexion and understanding of the world changes. It, it all changes. There's, there's, there's this pattern of life, death, and then rebirth. That, that quite frankly, nobody could really fully understand before Jesus. It's, it's just talk. It's just kind of hearsay. What happens when I die? Where does my body go when I die, right? And then Jesus is born. And then he dies. And then he's reborn. Setting now this, this new pattern of, huh. So there, there is a way that, that this can happen. We, we've seen how this can happen, how, how Jesus the man ascends into heaven. So then for us, we're born, we have, we have life, and then we die, and then there's a rebirth. There's a new birth. It's a great reminder that, you know, we are not just physical beings. And, and, and that's a really big concept for us to get our minds wrapped around. We are not just physical creatures. That means that there's more to us than just this outside shell. That what's, what's really our essence, who we really are, is our soul. Our soul. Our spirit. That, 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 that heavenly, hopefully heavenly thing that happens after you die, right? But... If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, well, then there's, there's not nothing. Then there's a part of your essence that then spends eternity in hell. But it's not nothing. We, we don't just die. We don't just live. Um, and so what happens with Christ coming then is Christ comes and gives this, this great news, this good news, and really brings um, this hope this great hope. And that's really our pattern. Our pattern is we're following and, and repeating uh, the life of Christ. That's all we know. That's all we know. And so when we talk about being a Christian, we talk about explaining, well, what does that look like? How, how, does, how does somebody who's a, a bad, sinful, wicked person, how do they change? Well, the, the only answer I have is, well, the scriptures say, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The scriptures say that we can be born again. 
right? The scriptures say that, that we no longer have to be slaves of unrighteousness. And so today we, we celebrate. We celebrate Christmas through purification. Well, how so? Well, we're going to look at three things today. First, we're going to celebrate the power um, of atonement, the power of atonement. We're going to celebrate the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to celebrate the power of a blessing. So in Luke 2, uh, again, we're, we're in the, in, out there in, the, uh, in this region where there, there's, there's shepherds, right? And verse 8, and uh, there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be, and I love this phrase, for all the people. Now you and I may just rip right through that, not think anything of it, because you know, we've thought of it a hundred times, but you've got to remember that at this day and age, we're, we're still you know, talking about the Old Testament. So, so that means we're under the old covenant, which means we're under that there's Jews and everybody else is not a Jew. There's Jews and there's Gentiles, right? And the Jews are following Yahweh and nobody else is. And the Jews have the Old Testament and nobody else does. And so here come now the angels and they come to the shepherds. And, and, and who are the shepherds exactly? We don't know. Are they Jews or are they Gentiles? It gives the appearance that they're probably Gentiles. Why else would we come saying, hey, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like going over to Pullman, right? And you say, hey, look, we have good news. You know, the Cougars can actually go to heaven, right? And it's like, yeah, but we're all Husky fans here. Why would you, why would you say that? Well, probably because you're in Cougar land. So that goes to reason that, look, these, these shepherds are probably um, not just Jews. In the, in the beginning of, of the beginning of this great tale of Jesus being born is, look, this is for everybody. Which, again, since there's no Jews in the house, means a lot to us since we're Gentiles. Okay. And the great news is the, the great news is that there's a great joy which shall be for all the people. Verse 11, for today in the city of David, there was and has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Why is there great news? Because today there's a Savior. There's a Savior today. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Now, usually when we see multitude, and it's referring to, to angels, and we talk about myriads, they're, they're talking about like thousands upon thousands. Okay, so there's like a big, there's a big heavenly crowd. This is a big scene that happens. Okay, something special and unique is, is happening on the hillside with these shepherds and, and the angel. 
Verse 14. And what are they saying? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. Verse 15. And when it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph. Now, we've got some, some working men in this, this crowd, or you think of being on any kind of project, and you're in the middle of project, or you're in the middle of work, and what's going to get you off the job, right? Whether you're being paid for this job, or it's just a project, it's like, well, you know, I got my paint clothes on, and, you know, the buckets are open, it's like, let me finish up, Right? Just let me finish this up. Let me get it done. And then I'm going to go check out what's happening. Not these guys. What happened is so spectacular, so amazing that they have to go in haste. Now, remember, their project walks. Okay, your your bucket of whatever just kind of sits there and theirs walks. Theirs goes away. So part of this is, look. Is this real? Is this folklore? Is this fairy tale? Or is this, a, a, again, a real life historical event? This is a real life historical event that's taking place. And so when we see these eyewitnesses, when we see these shepherds, and, and, and when we're trying to get the full scope of what's happening, what happens here is so amazing, so profound, that they get up and they run. So something happens through the door here and somebody says hey um uh you know there's a baby born in seattle you guys should go check it out it's like well, i'm gonna go to church and go get some pizza and watch the football game right something has to happen so spectacular that you're like i'm dropping everything and i'm running to seattle because i want to go check that out um, this is an amazing amazing event Verse 20, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as been told, had been told to them. Glorifying and praising. Glory, this is worship. This isn't just, oh, that was a cool event, great experience. Glorifying and praising. They go and they worship and they are part of this glorious birth. And so, as they leave, the word on the streets, the Christ is here. God is with us. He's with us. And so, we celebrate the power then, the power of atonement. How so? Verse 21. And when eight days were completed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days for purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what's happening here? Well, after this great event that happens with the shepherds, well, 
time has taken place, right? How much time? Well, when eight days were completed. Eight days. What's the eight days? Well, remember, we've been in the Old Testament. We've been learning about some things. Abraham, for instance. What was Abraham instructed to do on the eighth day when he had a male child? To circumcise him, right? To circumcise him. Leviticus 12.3 reinstates that. And so in Genesis 17, part of the sign of the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant with God in Israel, is this thing called circumcision. And they're commanded to do this, not on the first day, not on the second day, on the eighth day, as part of the ceremony, they're to circumcise the child. Now, a couple things. It's always interesting to me to see how, how people try to, to change and twist things that God seems to think is important in, in the scriptures. But, you know, we've outgrown God, right? We, we've outgrown his methods. And that, that, that was like a long time ago. So, you know, we, we don't have to, you know, wait until we get married to be pure. You know, no, nobody's doing that anymore, you know. And you know what? We don't have to keep our, our covenant of marriage because nobody's doing that anymore. It's like, no, God lays things out and he lays them out for a reason. And one of those things that's interesting is like right now, you know, you have this, this big wave of, you know, let's, let, let's mark our bodies up in all kinds of ways with tattoos and piercings and, and all that's cool and all that, you know, is just the, the way of the times. But then when it comes to circumcision, there's some crazy like attack against circumcision. The, the only actual real sign that we're commanded to do is then something that now is attacked as barbaric, right? You know, there's a whole wave in, in, in um, the science community and there's a whole wave in liberals. And well, that's just a barbaric thing that we shouldn't do. And so then now you're going to have secular people writing articles about how it's not good for you. It was good for you 4,000 years ago. But now that we have all this technology and tools and equipment and anesthetics, and now it's not good for you. I just think it's kind of interesting and ironic that um, God commands it, and now we're actually fighting against it of, of all things, and for what reason? Well, verse 21, so on the eighth day, um, Jesus is then circumcised. This is a sign. Hey, this, this is a privilege, this is a privilege to, to, to be, um, to have the sign of the, of the circumcision. No different than if you were going to be in a fraternity, right? And there's a, in football, there's a, a fraternity and I don't know the name of it, but you'll, you'll see some of these guys and, and they've got a brand. So in their fraternity, you get branded. It's like, well, only those guys get that brand. It's a privilege. Um, it's a, it's a mark. Well, what's this? What's happening here on the eighth day? They're circumcised. And his name then is officially called Jesus. Remember what we learned last week. Again, just like the Christ. The Christ is a title. Jesus is a promise. Jesus is, a, is, is what's going to happen. What does Jesus' name mean? Yahweh saves. God saves. That's the name of Jesus. 
Verse 22, and when the days of their for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Well, what's the days of purification? Well, in, in Leviticus, Leviticus 12, 1 through 8, there was, uh, you, you know, we have this process of dedication and atonement. We, we think of things or we call, you know, we, we have baby dedications, right? Or maybe we bring them up and pray over them, pray over mom and dad and, and the baby. Well, back in the Old Testament, they would actually have a more formal um, ceremony. It was not only this is a dedication to take this child before the Lord, to present the child to the Lord as instructed by God. Why? Because God says that is my child. But then also to atone, which is an interesting thing when you think about it, right? It's a baby. Look at that sweet little child over there, right? What does she need to atone for? Well, just ask her mom and dad. They'll give you a big old long list. (laughs) And those of us who've had babies, we know that there is no innocence. There is no sinlessness that we are conceived in wickedness, unfortunately, but true. And so interesting enough that here's this baby dedication that takes place right away when a baby is born. Do you you think that has more to do with the volume and the scope of sin or more to do with the, the marking and the identification of who this baby, who this family, what we believe and stand for. And so that's what's taking place. That's why when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate through purification. What's the purpose of purification? Atonement for sin. When you think of purification, what what kind of ideas come to your mind? I know for me, the first thing I thought of was, well, water, right? I come from L.A. In L.A., our water's horrible so you have to buy your water you know you don't just drink it out of the hose or you know drink it out of the faucet it comes out with really cool different colors and you know you can see your water it's got things in it and so you know you get a purification system either you hook that up to your to your faucet or you get a purification like jug or you just buy water that's purified why because it's dirty because it's unhealthy because there's things there that are killing you that you can't see unknown sin right and so the purpose for or of purification is to atone for sin and so in the old testament in leviticus they would bring forth a one-year-old lamb as a burnt offering and then a pigeon or doves um, as a sin offering and if you weren't wealthy and you didn't have enough money to have uh, a lamb then you would bring two pigeon doves Okay, and so that kind of shows the where Joseph and Mary are in their social standings. Is they brought a pair of turtle doves. They brought two turtle doves. They they didn't have a, a, a burnt offering, and so they they consecrate. They consecrate in holiness. Remember, holiness is separation. So it's a consecration before the Lord. Again, we, we see Jesus as, as being the example 
in baptism. He's an example. He didn't need cleansing from sin in baptism, but he does it as an example. We see it again here in this this dedication, this sign of of purification. So in the aftermath of Jesus' birth, we we continue to celebrate this idea of, of a need for purity, of a need for purification. Why do we get so excited that a Savior is born? Because he's saving us, he's purifying us from our sin. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Let's be very, very clear from the beginning, from the starting point of, of, of Jesus' life. There's, a, there's a, a statement that's being made. There's a sin issue that needs to be resolved. And I'm on a mission to fix that as Yahweh saves. Well, the second way we celebrate the power uh, or we celebrate Christmas is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God. Well, we see this Holy Spirit on the scene now, right? When you're studying the Bible, when you're studying God's word, you start seeing certain phrases or words repeated, especially in a small area. It's, it's, you need to take note. And so we see here in just a couple verses, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here's the Holy Spirit. So here's this guy, Simeon, right? Who's Simeon? Well, he doesn't seem like he's a priest because it doesn't say it. We don't see anywhere else in Scripture where he's a priest. He's, he, he's just an ordinary guy. But, he, but he's righteous, which means what? It means he has the, the, the good virtues. You know, he's a good man. Well, anybody could be a good man, right? Anybody could be nice. I mean, I'm sure, unfortunately, you've met people that are nicer than you. Thank the Lord, that's not what saves you. Because if it did, then we would all be in big trouble. But, but we can still be righteous, and we can still meet righteous people, people who are good. But this guy is righteous and devout, so his righteousness is connected with his devotion, his dev- devoutness to what? Well, to the Lord. So in this case, Simeon is a righteous man, a virtuous man, uh, as referring to the things of God. So he's, he's a God-fearing, loyal man to the Almighty. And so Simeon then has been told by the Holy Spirit, hey, um, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. Well, that's pretty cool. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. This is like the biggest thing of Israel, right? Everybody in Israel is waiting and hoping and praying for Messiah to come. He's going to save us from Rome. He's going to save us from our sins. He's the king. He's everything. And so imagine the, the Spirit comes upon you and says, you're not going to die until you see the Christ. 
you're not going to die until you actually see Jesus coming back on the charger. That'd be pretty cool. I'm going to get to see Jesus coming back. I mean, I prefer to go right now as much as I would hate to leave my kids, but I would prefer to cash in my ticket today and be in heaven. But you know what would be really cool is if I knew before I die, you're going to actually see Jesus coming back. And so that's kind of what's taking place here, right? That he's been told, you're not going to die. And then this is what happens. So he's, he's waiting for the Christ. But what's he doing in his waiting time? He's looking for the consolation of Israel. Or what does that mean? Consolation is the comfort, the peace. He's, he's praying. He's, he's beseeching on behalf of the people of Israel that, that they would have peace and comfort. Reminds me of the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Reminds me of Paul. Paul, who in Romans 9, 9.3 says, you know what? I wish if I could, if I could not die, not make payment on behalf of Israel, if I could be damned, I would on behalf of my people. As I'm reading this and, and I'm studying and it's like, wait a second. There's some practical application for me here today. Here's this guy. He's, he doesn't know his name's Jesus yet at this point, but he's, he's waiting for Jesus to come. What does he do in the meantime? He's praying for his country. What are we waiting for right now? We're waiting for Jesus to come. What are you doing in the meantime? Complaining about your country. Griping about your country. Being frustrated and angry about your country. You know what our country needs? Our country needs our weeping prayers. Our country needs people that would have such a deep love for the nation, like Paul, that you would even consider, you know what, Lord? If you would save America, you could take me to hell. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can't do that prayer. <laughs> so that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, thinking of the mindset behind that prayer, thinking of the mindset of how much does Jeremiah, how much does Paul, how much does Simeon, how much do they put themselves out for their countrymen? And honestly, I, I, I was a bit ashamed of myself to think, you know, and as we look to 2021, maybe that should be one of the first things on my prayer list. And not to, it's just there, but, but it's like, it's a primary way of life. Not that our country needs it, right? I think about things like Ravensdale Bible Church. Who are we? What is our mark? And maybe we're just that little church that prays for our country. I think that's something we could do. Um, and we do that through this power 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may have some questions as we, as we are reading this. Okay, so here's Simeon. He's a righteous and devout man. And then here's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is upon him. Um, and the Holy Spirit reveals to him, right, that he's not going to die until he sees the, the, the Lord Christ. And, and then he came in the Spirit into the temple. What is the relationship with Simeon and the Holy Spirit? We just talked about this the other night at men's meeting. See, we're still reading Old Testament theology at this point. So at this point, the Holy Spirit does not reside in mankind. The Holy Spirit comes and goes. The Holy Spirit comes and goes. And so if you're taking notes and you can look this up later, but we see examples of this in 1 Samuel 16, 14. When the Holy Spirit departs from the king of Israel, Saul. He comes upon him and then he leaves him. We see that David gets anointed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him in 1 Samuel 16, 13, mightily comes upon him. We see David after he sins and commits adultery and has you know, Bathsheba's husband killed, that he prays, Lord, please take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Don't take him away. Right? We see that in Psalm 51. We see the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, Bezalel in Exodus 31, and he's a skilled craftsman. Why does a skilled craftsman, you know, need the Holy Spirit to build furniture? But he does. And, and so in, in a, this unique relationship, the, the Holy Spirit is coming and going. And then we see in Ezekiel and Isaiah, the great hope and the great promise of, you know what? We are all living by this old covenant, the law of Moses. And we keep breaking it day after day, night after night, year after year. We got to go to the day of atonement. We got to make sacrifices. And it's just sin upon sin upon sin. And the Holy Spirit, where is the Holy Spirit? We don't even know where the Holy Spirit is. And so we get this great promise in Ezekiel that, you know what, in the new covenant, in the new covenant, the new law, what's going to take place is the Holy Spirit is going to reside in you. Well, how about that for a promise? And then we see that come to fruition in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, that our body, this is one of the most overlooked promises and, and, and realities that, that we see, especially in, in traditional Baptist fundamentalist churches, is that our bodies are the temple of the living Holy Spirit. That's exciting. That, 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 that's, that's our engine. That's what drives us. That's our beating heart. Our, our heart beating is, is, is the Holy Spirit. We are driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're called in Galatians 5 to walk in that Spirit. Don't close the Spirit off. Don't fight against the Spirit. The, that little voice that tells you, don't do that. That's not the right thing to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to silence that. No, listen to that Spirit. And that, that Spirit's going with you. Your body is the temple, and we're going to come to the studying the temple very shortly. But again, this idea that here's this temple that's the, the holy place of God, the, the holiest of holy places is where the Holy Spirit resides, where God hovers over the Ark of the Covenant. And what God said is, you know what? Remember that picture? 
No, your body is that temple. If that's not something to be celebrated, I don't know what is. And so as we're just ripping through and want to get to the Jesus stuff, there's this little tidbit of this guy, Simeon, who gives us a glimpse into life in the Holy Spirit. And we want to be people who live in the Spirit. And so the first Christmas was also gave opportunity to celebrate the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an exciting thing, exciting thing. And this Holy Spirit is no longer temporary. It's continuous. It's a continuous thing. Well, finally, we celebrate the power of blessing, the power of blessing. Verse 27, and he came in spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. I love that. I love that phrase. It's, he's looking at, at, at the baby. He's like, my eyes have seen salvation. Not a baby, not a king. That's salvation. That's my salvation. That's your salvation. What a great proclamation. What a, what a great blessing. His eyes get to, and he's, he's excited about that. Verse 31, which thou hast prepared in the presence again, of all the peoples, of all the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus saves all. Jesus saves everybody. And the glory of thy people, Israel. We didn't forget you, Israel. You're, you're not, you know, we, we still remember you. Verse 33, and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will, be, will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with the husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow of the age 84, and she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at the very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak to him, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. I love that in this little, short little passage here, we see this excitement for Jesus saving, Jesus saving all the Gentiles. And then we see this, this again, uh, this little parachute uniqueness of a, a prophetess, which is a great reminder to us that God, the Bible, is not against women. Uh, we see elements of, of women who do amazing things. We see here, here's a woman who's a prophetess. Um, but there's a, a time and a place and there's offices and um, 
It's not a, a regular or normal thing, but it has happened. And so it wasn't, again, it's not that the woman can never do anything. It's just that in the normal traditional role of, of the scriptures, usually that's a man's role. But we see here very clearly that here's this, here's the prophetess Anna and she's faithful and she's devout. And, and <clears throat> you, you, you've got to picture the scene. Because here we are, and we're all Jews. And Simeon's all pumped and excited that all the Gentiles are now going to get saved. And we're all start thinking, what about us? <laughs> right? Did we blow it? Did we miss the boat? Is it, w- w- and almost at that very moment, right? Here's Anna reminding everybody and giving thanks to God that the redemption of Israel is at hand. And and it's so easily misplaced here in this little passage because really there's a lot going on. I mean, we're, we're talking about the anointing of Jesus, right? And then all of a sudden we get into Simeon and the the power of the Holy Spirit, and we get into the salvation of all the Gentiles, and then it's with with all this happening, it's like, but don't forget, Israel will see redemption too. This is just like this great big party and celebration of God's redemptive plan all coming to a head. It's 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 all coming to place right now. And so you can imagine and you can begin to see why there would be such excitement and such celebration, which is why we need to, as we read through, don't just rip through these passages, but take some time to identify that, look, there's a celebration here of atonement. There's a celebration of the Holy Spirit. There's a celebration of the, the power of blessing for Israel and the Gentile, which should instantly remind us, hmm, the Abrahamic covenant coming to a head again where the promise of land, seed, and a blessing to all nations. A blessing to all nations. That this Jesus, the one who saves, that this Lord Christ, the King, is King to all. He's King to all. And so, now when we ask, well, who am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? We begin to see the picture. We begin to see it laid out that God had a plan to save us from our sin. That God had a plan to that we would be born, that we would die. But there's a much, much bigger piece of the pie for our eternal future. And so now what? Hey, now we live, right? Now we live. The, the dedication's over. The party's over. You know, I think it was yesterday, yesterday afternoon. Boy, the time's flying by now. Is Christmas yesterday? Boy, I'm getting old. Day before. Yeah. And, you know, one of my kids said, I, is, I guess Christmas is over. <laughs> it's like that's kind of how, how it is, right? It's over. It's time to move on. What does that mean for us as believers? Be sanctified. Be dedicated. Be dedicated. 
glorify the Lord with our lives and whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or play or work, whatever it is we do, may it bring glory to the Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for 